Yeah! Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, hold you on. wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Uncle Johnny and the professor, the podcast, we back again. We're in Charlotte on location here at my man, Reggie Dandridge's shot shop, chisel image. Uh, anybody in the Charlotte area looking to get chiseled up, looking for a good cut, y'all come check him out. Anyway, we keeping it moving. I know uh, over the past uh, couple episodes, we've been talking about uh, lost things in the culture. We've been talking a lot about um, worldliness. You know what? I just wanted to have a little bit of a correction too, because I know some of the subjects we've talking talked about. They've been hard. They've probably been kind of tough to swallow in some cases. But let me clarify and make sure people understand. When we're talking about worldliness, there's an enemy of God. There's an enemy of God named Satan, an actual being named Satan who looks to not just oppose God but also to accuse uh, believers of, of much wrongdoing. Um, thank God for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who stands in as our advocate and who uh, is our lawyer against all those uh, accusations and provides grace for us. He doesn't just argue against them. He takes all those accusations on himself and the penalty for them and stands uh, resurrected, is vindicated and rewarded um, satisfies all of God's righteous uh, demands, and therefore that's how we find ourselves in right relationship with Him. And we're excited about that now. Mm -hmm. So that's what our life is really about: is excited about the fact that we've escaped it all because of this Christ that we follow. So, absolutely. Anyway, today, man, you know what? I just wanted to talk to you about something just culture-wise. This subtle stuff that happens. It happens at certain levels, especially in in our pop culture, in our entertainment, and I think it actually is a revealer of some times what uh, collectively we wrestle through in our hearts, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mm -hmm. think, uh, but I'm seeing something these days where it's almost like this idea of erasing the lines between, between that which could be considered heroic or a hero and a villain. My son, John John, I picked him up from school one day when he was in elementary school. He got in the car and I said, man, how, how was your day, John John? How's it going? Oh, I had fun, Dad. What'd you do that was so fun? I, I was at recess. We was playing. I said, playing what? He was like, we were playing cops and we were playing, you know, at this age, he's stuttering a little bit. We was playing cops and we was playing, we was playing cops and... And so me feeling like, oh, I know where he's going. I can finish this sentence for him because I, I too, in recess in elementary used to play and I guarantee it's probably the same game. You played, you was playing cops and robbers. <laughs> and my son was like, ha, 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 cops and robbers? No, dad, it wasn't cops and robbers. I said, well, what was you playing? He said, cops and zombies. <laughs> and I was like, wow. oh, Jack. That's when it hit me. Oh. The culture is shifting. Even the heroes and the villains are different. Mm. You know, in our day, it was cops and robbers. There was the good guys and the bad guys. We need to think differently about how people in our day and age yeah. even see heroes and how they see villains. Matter of fact, I even went far, I started analyzing the culture, pop culture, and said, yo, it seems like our culture or the coming culture has a fascination with anti-heroes more than they do with heroes and villains like we used to like there's a there's a blur where it's like yo you can't even tell me who's good and who's bad it's like we mix them all up into one person right you know i was looking at a different uh started chronicling from back then like i think 
So Dexter, I don't know if people, you know, heavy Netflix watchers or whatever, but the show Dexter became this real popular show. Everybody was watching Dexter. And it was about this dude who was supposed to be a good guy, a good guy who worked in forensics and all of this, catching uh, criminals, suddenly begins killing criminals and the most heinous people. And it was almost like the show just stirs up this thing and where you end up rooting for Dexter. Like, he's supposed to be the good guy, but he's actually doing all this bad stuff. But somehow we excuse all the bad stuff because somehow it's playing out to some greater good. We're eliminating evil by evil, mm. which is insane, actually. <laughs> and so, you know, you just start to feel this narrative start to resonate in the culture. Like, the only way you beat the real evil is you got to be a little more evil. And I think that's the little trick. It wasn't just that they were doing good. It was the very thing that some of the new characters started to win by. It was the darkness that they started to win by. So then, you know, something like the Dark Knight comes. Batman. There was all of a sudden this explosion, this new cult following for Batman. Because Batman all of a sudden was this dark character. And it wasn't just that he was dark. It was like he wins by the darkness. He's able to make himself so mad, so mean, so vindictive that that's how he's going to win in the long run. Mm. And that's when we we loved him. Mm. And so from Batman to, and then I remember uh, somebody turned me on to the show Luther and I got hooked on it, Idris Elba. Mm. So he is a, a cop in the UK. And I mean, an exemplary cop. This dude is sharp, like in every way, just knows all the ins and outs, he's tough, he's smart. He's even got young bucks coming up under him that he's teaching them how to do um, proper uh, police work. And uh, it gets to this certain point where there's this one killer that is just next level uh, killer, like serial killer or whatever. And so what Luther does is he actually begins to consult with a killer an expert killer, this mm. woman who was this like almost serial killer expert, mm. like next level, to actually catch the killer that he was. <laughs> she and he was, and it wasn't that he was just advising with her; like she was feeding him mm. like philosophy. Mm. And so she said to him one time, she was like, "Change the state of play." In other words, she was saying like, "Your problem is." You got all these rules of how this is supposed to be done. Hmm. She said, in order to catch this guy, you got to change the whole state of play. Hmm. And uh, so not only do you see him hear that, but you know that it takes hold on him because he starts repeating that phrase. You got to change the state of play. Like he's repeating what a killer's saying, and he's the good guy <laughs> trying to catch the killers. And so later on, he, he schools this young boy. He's discipling this young, discipling. He's teaching this young cop how to come behind him and be like him. And so they're trying to catch this killer, and they're doing all this stuff. And then the young buck starts to realize, like, yo, there's something not right here. And so he finally confronts Luther and is like, yo, what you're doing is wrong. And Luther finally says, I know. Because Luther starts doing foul stuff. He just starts, like, using all these, these tactics that would throw him in jail for trying to catch this killer. He says, Luther says, I know I'm doing wrong. And then so the young guy says, if you know you're doing wrong, then why are you doing it? If you know you're doing it wrong, why are you doing it? Luther says, because it's right. And if you could imagine that statement, but you didn't watch hours and hours of how this dude is maneuvered and how he's, and you get to see his mindset. And really, you start thinking, if you see also at the same time, the heinous stuff that this guy he's trying to catch, right. well, he can't catch him. And it's because he got to stay in the lines. Hmm. If he could just get outside the lines, maybe he could, and outside of the lines were what was unlawful. Hmm. And so basically, I think this is, like, he makes a moral statement here. The dude says, you're doing wrong. He says, I know. He says, well, why are you doing it? He says, because it's right. <laughs> why? So he changes wow. the whole state of play by changing the morality. Mm. Mm. And so I just think that's 
that's just interesting. Just like, I think we're in the age of the anti-hero. Um, we love the anti-hero. So everyone from Dexter to Batman to Luther to Hellboy, like wow. another popular movie. So a demon baby somehow comes into connection with one of the uh, one of the criminal justice organizations or one of the law enforcement agencies, and he becomes this good guy, this hero, <laughs> a demon baby. Wow. Like, so a baby from hell suddenly becomes the hero. He's the one that's actually going to save us. Um, I think Deadpool is another one, one of the most foul, uh, profane, like what? But he wins by that. Have you heard of the show Lucifer? Who? Lucifer. Oh, the show Lucifer. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard of it, but I'm but not. He's supposed to be it. doing good. Oh yeah. So even Lucifer, Satan himself is, doing good. is a hero. <laughs> Suicide Squad. They got right. all of the villains. Right. Now here's an interesting an thought that I found even in in some of certain Christian circles and Christian communities. There were people I would see online, like they would be big enough the dark night because what the dark night actually represented for them was finally I'm tired of all these crispy clean heroes that ain't even real I'm a sinner I ha you know I don't like the fact that I got a dark side As a matter of fact I want to acknowledge I want somebody else to acknowledge they got a dark side there's something about that I think I can appreciate I can appreciate just that confessional heart just that that transparent heart that says, you know what? Though I'm saved, I still got a sin nature that will be redeemed one mm -hmm. day. So I can appreciate that. But like I said, the real differentiator is this whole idea that they win by the evil. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing I think is like, again, sometimes people's heroes tell you more about the people than they do about right. the hero. Right. Um, we know that to be true about the Bible talks about uh, false prophets. And actually, it, it doesn't just level everything at the false prophet, though it does. The false prophet is going to be judged. But it says, and then the people are the ones who heap up, you know, itching ears. They heap up for themselves false prophets. Absolutely. After what they want to hear, after the way their own hearts are. And so. Absolutely. Um, so it's not that I can't appreciate trying to be transparent and acknowledging the fact that, yeah, we all have a dark side. That's what we, we but we're going to be redeemed from it. But this whole idea that uh, we win by that, you know, right. these heroes win right. that way. And I think once that's worked and massaged itself into the culture, I think what I've noticed is that's another uh, thing that I think satan may be doing uh we started by talking about satan is the real deceiver that satan is getting busy in our culture with is because once that works itself into your subconscious like and you just start dealing with real life you start like working through your grid in that same way so as mm -hmm. things arise in life as we have to analyze and make decisions about what we think is godly what we think uh, is God's will what we think God wants um, from us in this society, we start maybe thinking the same skewed way, which is there ain't no, there ain't no two sides to this coin. Right, right. It's all mixed up. And matter of fact, not only is it that way and that's life, I kind of like it like that. I like, just like I like my heroes that way. Hmm. And, uh, wow. but I don't know, I was just curious if any of y'all have seen that, like, it's interesting the time we live in. It's it's not cops and robbers. It's cops and zombies. I remember yeah. growing up, you know, being from Cleveland, listening to Bone Thug, and I discovered their first album. They're like underground Cleveland album before they got with Eazy E. Mm. And they had a song in there called Hell Sent. And Crazy Bone, he started off, I sold my soul to the devil, but I changed my mind. Now I want it back. But he won't cooperate, so now it's time to jack. So like the whole thing is them mm -hmm. going to hell, getting their souls back, but now they about to take over hell and be even more evil than the devil. <laughs> you know? we always hear that. Like, we always hear that in hip hop. <laughs> hip hop has this idea we gonna be down there and I'm gonna be with all my friends. Right. Some some say that like I'm gonna be with my friends in hell. We gonna be sh shooting dice and doing the same stuff we do here, just on another level, kind of like. Wow. 
Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. But I guess that goes back to how they said about the last days that they'll make right wrong and wrong right. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it. That's the example of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also breeds this, like, almost like this indifference. There's a, um, there's a piece in First uh, Kings 18, I think it's like verse 21, where Elijah was addressing the people. And he said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. In other words, make a choice. If, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And then the scripture says something that I think we miss. It says, but the people said nothing. In other words, they were indifferent. They were indifferent to the differences even between God and Baal. If God is God and he's got his ways, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Hmm. It says they said nothing. They were just, it, 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 there was no, it was like indifferent. And I feel that today, like indifferent to the differences. We'd rather have it all mixed up. I apologize if sometimes what we talk about makes it seem like we think we're self-righteous. In other words, we're the ones holding up the righteous standard. We're not. We're saying, but we do stand under one who is righteous and one who actually um, declares and demands righteousness of of man. And that is Christ. And so I think, you know, we have that call, but saying like, you can't feel that way. Like if you look out at society, you shouldn't be the one feeling a certain way because you're a sinner too. And you know what I mean? You're just supposed to love. I was thinking about in, um, second Peter, um, God's dealing with, um, again, false prophets and false teachers, but then he, there's this shift to where he says, uh, And if he rescued righteous Lot, talking about Lot, who was Mm -hmm. Abraham's Mm -hmm. nephew, right? He says, Mm -hmm. and if he rescued righteous Lot, Mm -hmm. greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. In other words, Lot was greatly distressed, righteous Lot, even with all Lot's problems. If you know Lot's history, Lot had a lot of problems in terms of, you know, in terms of like, if he properly followed God, he found himself in places that I think he shouldn't have been, that I think he got appetites for stuff that, that weren't proper. And that's how he ended up pitching his tent closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. But it says righteous lot. So even with all his problems, was greatly distressed by the central conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man, again, calling Lot a righteous man, lived among them day after day, he was tormented. His, uh, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. But I just mm. thought that was mad interesting. Like this man who the same one, he's a sinner who probably shouldn't have any feelings about what he's seeing around himself if he's just navel watching, looking at himself. But the scripture says he was tormenting his his soul was being tormented by what he saw, the the lawless deeds that he saw around him. Like, um, so I don't think it's strange when our hearts swoon, when our hearts, uh, when we lament over um, maybe that which we see. We lament in hopes that people would understand that God has given us an escape from, you know, all of this trouble. But Mm -hmm. I think it would be a wrong thing not to feel anything, to right. just be indifferent right. about all that we see um, happening and going on around us. Hmm. So. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You have about 19 verses of Jude that appear in um, in uh, Second Peter. Uh, Jude leveraged, uh, excuse me, Peter leveraged Jude's, more than likely Peter leveraged Jude and just took what Jude was saying and put it in his own works because the theme is the same. Mm. And Jude would say, there's a call to contend. Mm. Jude's whole thing is, I was gonna write about the common salvation that we have, but because there have been people who've crept in among us and who are distorting the grace of God and who are distorting the liberty that you have in Christ um, and they're denying Christ, he says, I write to you to contend for the faith. And 
And then he basically makes the case that contending must take place. But he lets them know that God always deals with the false. He does deal with the false. And he gives a set of Old Testament examples of how God has always dealt. What part of that is Lot, you know, that, that peace, what God has done. And so you're right. This is no day for indifference. This is no day for indifference. This is the day to be actively involved in, uh, in contending, trying to preserve. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to, like a person who's trying to root out counterfeit bills, right. you don't want to just bounce from counterfeit to counterfeit because there will always be more counterfeit. Right. But to contend for the faith, he goes on, Jude, to say, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Mm -hmm. In other words, be rock solid on the true faith. Be rock solid on the holy faith. That true faith that's rooted and anchored in the gospel, true to, uh, that's anchored in Christ, know it well. Yeah. Know it well Reggie and, and be I an talk advocate about that all the of time. it. Yep. Yeah. This idea and, that counterfeit, like people who they train to look for counterfeit money, it's not like you said about bouncing around and studying counterfeit money, counterfeit money, counterfeit money. They don't even give them counterfeit money. They give them real money and make them study real money so well that when a counterfeit they know shows counterfeit. up, they know it right Right, away. right. Okay. So um, just more uh, incentive, yeah. Just, just, just more incentive to, uh, to build oneself up, to give ourselves to the, the, the truth so that we won't be duped by the lies or the shifts. Or to, like you say, to use the word of God as a mirror to expose. Man, I do have that propensity in me mm -hmm. to like the anti-hero, to like a hero who's not so sanitized because what? It makes me feel better. The Bible says men love dark rather than light because their deeds are evil, mm -hmm. right? Jesus said the world hates me. It doesn't hate you. It hates me because I testify that it's deeds are evil. So it's this idea that there's something about uh, not feeling exposed, right. not feeling like the light does that. Um, when the I went to the dentist recently and the dentist said, lean your head back. I knew I had issues. And then he put this big light on me and I felt more uncomfortable than I've ever felt just watching the smiling at someone. Hmm. Because if you open up and you shine a light and I know the dentist knows how to detect the smallest blemish the th and then they take x-rays and that shows you that now there's not only something wrong with what I see, what, what we see is something wrong with what we can't see. It's something about people don't want to be exposed. And the word of God is that. It exposes. It exposes intent. It exposes what's not only what we see, but it exposes what we can't see. So how, how did how did we get here? How did the believers get to the point where we walked side by side in agreement with the non-believers? Wow. Because we've lost because we've lost our voice. I think some okay. foundations like some foundations don't just fall all at once. Like, there's like a chiseling away a little bit at a little bit, little bit, little bit, and then all of a sudden it can't hold up under chiseled the weight, image. so it all falls away. Yeah, chiseled image. So I think sometimes, just like what we talked about, and this is meant to be an encouragement to us, like sometimes the indifference we may even feel in our own hearts, the indifference um, that really challenges our obedience and even doing things God's way eventually is what leads us to compromise. In other words, it's not all at once. It's like the little things you allow to chisel away. And that's what I'm saying. Like the way they work these things into our society to the point where things that we would normally think this is right, this is wrong. This is that it's all mixed up. It's chiseled away to the point where we become indifferent and then indifference leads to compromise. In other words, like Saul, God gives a command, wipe it all, kill it all. And the prophet has to come to him and say, yo, did you do what the Lord said? Yeah. Well, what in the world is this bleeding a sheep that I hear in my ears? <laughs> like, but somehow in his mind, he had another thing that was beyond what God's framework was or what God's command was. I know, like this, we got usefulness for these sheep. I know what, that don't even make sense. Why are we gonna kill all this? This is, we can use this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe we do that. I know I do that. Like you, you start 
reasoning like I can make use of this somehow. You know what I mean, instead of kill it all. Every now and then we do um, stories from the road. Didn't you have a story from the road? I think it was like Tampa or something like that. Ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stories from the road. Well, it's just a small one, small one, but people may enjoy it. You know, I like the I like the fact that it just seems like God will keep. So let me just set this up right now. I just saying God will keep you. And, and even as it said there that God was able to deliver a lot out of a environment that was vexing, an environment that was wicked, an environment that uh, would torment the soul as you had to observe it. But but that's where he lived. That was his block. That was where he was. And so, you know, the Bible says God will keep you. Well. You remember that time we were in Tampa and the, the, the church at the time wasn't one of the affluent. They were very given to urban ministry, just very resourceful, used what they had. And, you know, they knew us. They knew that we prioritized gospel proclamation, even over our own comfort. I mean, we didn't, you know, there's, there's always standards, but, you know, we were sort of those type of guys. It was, you know, hop in the van and just do what we do. And, um, and they put us in this living these living quarters that were really substandard. They were substandard. They were filled with cat urine, fleas, ticks, bed bugs. It was basically a, a, a yeah, it was. But it like was, you could see them popping up off the carpet. You could like, see them. They wow. were, yeah, they were. And you, you could, could smell them. the, yeah. It like was, cats have been just was, living in this almost like abandoned House. And this is y'all's area. This is y'all's. This is they gave. Well, but you see, no, well, it's, this no, 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 yeah, this I didn't that. see it the way he's oh, saying okay. it, but because because I wouldn't have stayed there if I would have just saw the evidence <laughs> like that. But you know, he was like that. But um, but sure that was where we were sleeping. Some of the other brethren were that's here. Where they could we, testify. We was all that's where like, we were sleeping. Oh my goodness. But you know, that's 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 where they they had us. So we were, you know, let's let's just go to sleep and let's get up and get back to the ministry. <laughs> Well, these brothers were complainers. You know, they were all grumpy and complaining. <laughs> they were all complaining. So they said, I'm going to sleep in the van. Now, we're in Florida. It's Tampa. It's in the height of summer. So it is blazing. It is blazing outside. They go at into night. the van at night. Me, you know, I was on my spirit fill. Nah, let me see. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I did. I, I, was, I was resolved that uh, when I didn't see any apparent, you know, danger, but... I did sense. No, let's just let's just sleep here. This is where we've been assigned. And um, make a long story short, that night I slept like a baby. Uh, this dude. And God shut the mouths of the fleas and the ticks <laughs> and the bed bugs. Like the pincers wouldn't open. Like we they, out in the car suffering, the car, but we're suffering. like, oh, he'll be out any time now. Like he's got to be getting chewed up. Like just and ate up. Not a bite on me. Not a bite on me. Some in of the best the, sleep you ever had in your life. Some of the best sleep I ever had in my life. I wake up in the morning, these dudes looking all Now, we done grumpy. suffered in the car all night because you can't, like, keep the car on the whole right. time because we're going to run out of gas or whatever. And so we keep cutting it off, and we got to let the windows down. So it's blazing hot. You can't even you sleep. Now, watch this. No bites on him. No bites. Then I look down at my legs. I got, like, like... Almost like fluid-filled balls all down my legs, where the bugs done just came in the van and ate me up all night. See, it's just like in Daniel. They they didn't Yo, trust just, Daniel, but when they laid the family down to try to get Daniel, it says before they hit the ground, they crushed their bones. They nibbled on his calves. Look at that. While they left, he him. They said, God told us not to bite God. Ambassador. <laughs> so, Stories from the road. God will keep you. He'll keep you in the midst. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe like normally we take email and tweet questions. Um, I don't know if we have one today, but I know I'm always in here uh, with Reggie. Uh, Reggie usually has some kind of question about maybe what we encountered in the culture, in the industry, whatever. You got any question fresh in your mind, Reggie, that since we here? Can God elevate people and still have them in him and to where they give him that glory and it's not 
nothing to do with me being elevated, but it's God elevating me in the purpose of which I'm walking and he wants me mm -hmm. to reach more? I'll start. I'll say I think there's a few pieces of your statement that have to be qualified. Okay. Number one, because you use the term to another level, and I usually that's like a signaler for me. Right, I get it. I know what you meant, but I mean like when we say another level, sometimes we assume that another level has a positive attached to it, right? And as and we also make an assumption that it's the kind of positive that even God wouldn't uh, smirk at or like have maybe have a problem with. Because why would God have a problem with another level, right? And so I think really, and then as I kind of traveled down your statement a little more when you said, uh, you know, maybe uh, like a mega ministry or a church, why does somebody? So I don't know who these somebodies are because I think that matters. Like, so if you say, why would somebody say that this person, no, I got you, I got you. I'm just saying like, why do these somebodies say that this person can't be in God? Now, if we ask the somebody, like we could hone in on the somebody and say, hey, somebody, this dude is going to another level. The Lord has blessed his ministry like Red said. He blowing up. He got more money. He got more fame. He got more celebrity. Why do you have a problem with that? I think if we ask the somebody and the somebody said, because what the guy is blowing up on, because this person is supposed to be representing the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, because what the person is blowing up on is a misrepresentation of what they stand, what he supposedly stands for. So if the person is blowing up off of that which is unbiblical, then maybe the person has the right to question, maybe not say what God, but at least has the right to question. I'm not sure that that's of God. I'm asking the question, meaning, can a person still be in God and, and be not big? be and not be putting their self before God? And the reason Absolutely. why they got to this level of being big is because God honored them and them being faithful in Him. You follow what I'm saying? I would say absolutely. So again, um, just because someone gets big or becomes wealthy or is shown a lot of favor among people, I don't think that immediately means that all of a sudden uh, they're at odds with God. But at the same time, I would say, just because somebody gets big and gets a lot of fame and favor with people, what our culture tends to do is say, that has to be God. Okay. And we're saying, or I think I wouldn't question the person who would say, that's not necessarily so. Like a lot of times we see there's not even an, uh, there's not even a, um, a doubt in people's minds that if somebody blows up, that's God. And if you think otherwise, then you're just hating or you're envious or, you know, whatever uh, that is. So. It seems like today the word blessed is like this. That's a big catchphrase. Ooh, like that's big. Everybody's blessed. Oh, that's it's big. all on shirts. Oh. You know? It's all in music. In my mess. It's all in my mess. I'm blessed. In my mess. I'm blessed. Yeah, you're right. That's deep, bro. So like, if you got money. If you got all these Instagram followers, you just blessed. Right. But then, I guess that would go back to what are we judging being blessed off of? Right. We become people who love our life too much. Right. And not the stuff God is telling us to be called to. Right. And I feel like we get so consumed with trying to have a good life for our wife, our children, meet the standard, grow in our company, and let's do this and that. And then we get to the point where now we're looking at all these things and we're glorifying this life instead of our position in Christ. You feel what I'm saying? Excellent. Yeah. That's an excellent point. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> not that I, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily commenting on the people's, um, people's evaluation of when a person, you know, receives a certain no, uh, amount of notoriety, celebrity, uh, and the wealth that comes with it, it's not inherently wrong. But there is, the scriptures does give a lot of caution to those whose life include a lot of, um, a lot of exaltation and a lot of 
prosperity. In other words, it's not as simple to be marked by prosperity as one would think. Again, it's not wrong by any stretch of the imagination. And to whoever has it, amen. But the Bible does, is, is very clear to caution us about our love of it and our pursuit of it. Uh, I was reminded, looking here on my phone at a, two passages of scripture, um, and one is in Proverbs 30, where Agar asks this, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. He says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, how many people have been trained in our culture to shun riches, mm -hmm. to say, don't give me riches, as though that is not m m demonstrated in scripture that the, the, the uh, like riches is, is a challenging thing. And he tells you why. He says, don't give me that. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In other words, most of us would scoff at the notion that we will forget God in our moment of strength or in our moment of gain. But a true believer is sober-minded about what it means to have more than they need. That's not just a given. Another verse is where Paul tells Timothy to warn, he says, to those who desire, those who desire to be rich fall into Tim into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Why? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The, the idea here is just know it is something the Bible warns you to be cautious of because it has this effect on people. Most people would say, well, not me. But as we saw the last passage, that is not the normal instinct. The instinct is not to say, not me. The instinct is to say, even me. Therefore, let me be cautious. Well, I mean, so basically that's, that's back to what, how Brandon was saying, like, you know, people use the word blessed so freely. And the reason why I feel going with what you're saying is, why you're saying how many of us would say, no, don't bless me with financially. So many of us are coming from nothing and poverty to where we feel like when you get to that point, that is God. Man, that's a right. blessing that God has got you no longer struggling. Like you're right. no longer having to worry about money because that's all I know. And I know that I've been trying to seek to get to this place in God to where I can be financially stable. I can be the lender, not the borrower. And then now the word of God is pushed to the point where we tie God into that as well. That, oh, they walking in the full anointing. They blessed. You see what they driving, how they living, what they wear? They must got the completion of God. Right. But I'm out here in poverty, but I'm sold out to God as well. So I'm waiting for my come up for my blessing. I'm waiting, I'm waiting to be blessed like right. them. Right. That's what they're looking at. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely. We were talking about that on another episode. Okay. Okay. We were talking about the rich man and Lazarus and how in that culture to be the rich man, automatically the Pharisees, who the Bible says gives a little editorial note, they love money. Uh, the Pharisees automatically thought the rich person had the favor of God and the poor person uh, did not. And so the idea is, do you have the favor of God? If we see somebody with riches, we assume that's God. Every celebrity says, I want to thank God. I know I'm blessed. Why? Because they have all the celebrities. Yet there are things that God does not bless. There are things that God allows people to have that are not indicators of spiritual maturity or not. And we just have to be careful. We have to know God well enough to know that the will of God is for our sanctification, is for our holiness. And with so if that's not you, you're out of the will of God. And the riches are not a sign. Sometimes those riches, we also said that Paul counted sometimes strength and advantage and, and, and wealth as a liability because it lulls you to sleep into thinking that you're on God's good side 
or it lulls you to sleep into thinking that you're secure, when the Bible also elsewhere calls scripture, I mean, calls money, the uncertainty of riches. In other words, don't bank on it. It's right. uncertain. Right. It's here today. It's going tomorrow. And so people who build their lives on riches or who esteem the haves and disregard the have-nots fail to consider a biblical understanding uh, of wealth and, and riches and gain in the, you know, biblically. So, yeah, you know, these things in our time, they are what they are. Like you said, when you come for nothing, you, you can't wait, you know, to when you, when you feel like I have where I come from, we've been desiring these things. Uh, those, those things are good to have, but we just have to be careful because how many times have we heard about lottery winners who die due to the stress yep. or commit suicide due to what came with it? I like what the scripture says. It says the Lord gives riches and adds no sorrow to it. Mm -hmm. The Lord gives riches and adds no sorrow to it. Can I touch one more thing? Did you, you, you read a scripture on and you were saying that yes. where it talks about the love of money is the root of all evil. The part that I, I'm tripping off of that I think a lot of people don't go further on with, it also says that, but money is the answer to all things. So why do we stop at one part, but we don't finish with the other part? Not saying for you, but you know, when we quote that, we don't never quote, cause me and John, we've been on, when we do these Bible studies, exegesis and uh, isogesis, and nah. he's giving me the different scenarios. So like, you know, I can, read the scripture and just read that and don't read what was before it or after it and then now I can make it what I want compared to me getting the, fulf the fulfillment of the fullness of it by getting the whole story. You know what I'm saying? So I think this is a perfect example of what we've been talking about. So like the passages you just cited. So the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not just the root of evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil, the scripture says, right? And then you said, but then there's another passage says that money answers all things, right? So again, if we, like you just said, if we're careful, if we're trying to really draw out of these verses, what is the intent? What is the intended meaning for us to know? Not that we pour our own meaning in, like you said, that would be eisegesis, put, pouring meaning into it. I'm saying if we understand the person who said that money answereth all things, was the one of the richest men, if not the richest man we we've ever known, Reg. Uh -huh. So he had it all, right? Yeah. Did money did money answereth all things for him? No, this is one of the richest men that the world has ever known. Yes. Yeah, like if you read the, so in other words, if you read that passage in its context, like what it's couched in you would get the meaning of, like, it's all vanity. Like, and it didn't, money didn't answer his stuff. He ended up being seduced into, by being disobedient, seduced into idol worship by these wives that God told him not to. So money didn't answer that for him. You know what I mean? And being rich, like, in other words, being as rich as he was, didn't solve all his problems. Money didn't answer that. And then you know, go ahead, go ahead, Brandon. I always find that story of Solomon real fascinating in that he was the richest, most powerful man ever, uh -huh. and he didn't ask for that. Like God came. Right, to he him. had a choice. Yeah, God came to him and said, "What do you want? Right. Ask me whatever. I'll give it to you." He said, "I just want some wisdom because I don't know how to rule your people." And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask, I'm going to give you all this power and money. And it makes me think God set him up. Like, I'm going to give you this so you can go write about it and say how it didn't fulfill you. Oh, you hmm. know what I mean? Oh. Like, so you can go write um, Ecclesiastes. But isn't that, and break it isn't down. that like, interesting? Because the scripture. Not a, poor per a poor person in the right Ecclesiastes. Yeah. The law does that. It oh, brings us to deep. our that's end, deep. right? It's designed to bring us to our end that we realize like nothing will answer any of it except Christ. So what about the people who will say, for an example, I've been broke living for God. I want to find out for myself. <laughs> I want to find, you know, because people are like, hey, I've been looking for God. Let me, that you know, applies to what he said. Just like what he said There's with the a story. Warning. Okay. Be careful. Yeah, yeah. Be careful about what you let your heart and your appetites 
wish for okay. because with them come the stuff you said. There's there's a snare that comes yeah. with it. There's a, a trap. There's a things that plunge men into ruin. Yeah, you go ahead. You can say that all you want. But we're just saying, yeah. beware, brother. Be, be careful. I was okay. at a mega church, and I was a guy and early on when when the pastor was like, your business is going to be blessed. I took off running. I was running <laughs> in a circle like, yeah, my business is going to be blessed, baby. And, um... But then I started going to another church that was preaching totally opposite. They was illuminating the passages that was like prosperity. You know, they was exposing the prosperity doctrine. And what was interesting to me was when I started reading for myself, you know, I read that passage when it said, if you desire to be rich, you fall into all kind of temptations and, and the trap and all that. And so... Going back to the mega church, the pastor's like, hey, y'all, I'm on my way to my first million. Now, that was back then. He's way beyond that now. But to me, that was showing that he desired to be rich. So I came back again, and he was preaching about Lazarus. How God was, I mean, Jesus was like, get up. You know, told him to get up. So he started <laughs> using examples. He was like, you know, your spiritual life get up. He started. He started using that like all this stuff in your life get up. And everybody's like, yeah, praise God. Like I'm gonna live more, you know, more righteous or whatever. Like yeah. He was using all these spiritual examples. Then he was like, your money get up, and the whole place exploded. Like the Browns just pastor. won the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, we heard a pastor. You know keep your keep your thought. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. We were somewhere one time. I think we were out of the country, and this pastor said. Money, I command you to jump out of their pocket and into my pocket. Whoa. <laughs> Something like that. Huh? Wasn't it? Yeah. So let me ask this then. What if yeah. what if I do have not a love for money, but a love to have money to desire to do more to bless God's people and to bless people? What if the money that I'm desiring is not for me? You know, well, what if what if and I'm 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 spending that because sometimes, you know, as soon as people hear that people want to increase or people want more. Some people literally have God's heart to the point where it ain't even for them. Now, of course, you gotta live off your stuff you got. You're gonna live off of it. But what if what if it's meant for me to have all this so I can bless God's it's, kingdom? It's what interesting because usually we only hear that when it's when there's a desire to have more. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Like So oh it's, it's it's played off of each other basically. Like they'll they'll try to use what I'm saying. But really, they just want more. They're not really trying to. And build. maybe not. And maybe sometimes not diabolically. Okay. But still, it's a appetite for more. Again, I think the the moral of the story is have like heed the warning, and just know that the faith is in jeopardy. The more we have, you know, and be, simply because that's just the reality of the Christian life. The Christian life is based on a. Uh, pouring oneself out, not acquiring an accumulation. And, um, you know, if it, look, if you look in Acts, the, one of the first stories we get is the story of Barnabas, who at that time was called Joseph. Barnabas had the ability to sell a house and give all the proceeds to the apostles. There was, but people had, there were those who had, there were people of means within the people of God. So that is, Again, often God's people have means, but there are many who don't. And the question is, what does it mean for you to not have? And then the humbling often is part of God's plan. You know, the Bible says that Yahweh told his people, I caused you to go hungry. He said, so that you would know that man does not live by bread, bread alone, alone. Mm -hmm. but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's he caused the humbling and how does he do it by not allowing allowing us always to come to the battle fully stocked so that our confidence is in our our sufficiency but we come with what we need so that we but it's enough to keep us dependent on the one that we ultimately need so you know we can go all day with questions about riches and can we have it should we have it we know uh, the scripture says use unrighteous money to make, make for friends. yourselves friends. Mm -hmm. 
who will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Why does he call it unrighteous mammon or unrighteous money? It's because normally money is the, or the craving of it leads people's hearts astray or their hearts are already astray and they use money to fulfill those stray hearts. Mm -hmm. So it's unrighteous that it often serves unrighteous means or unrighteous purpose, person, uh, purposes. And so, but the good thing is that as the spirit of God, uh, controls a heart, then the means that you have are utilized toward the ends that you're devoted to. And if the end is the glory of God and the benefit of others, like you say, give me the means so that I can carry out your ends. And so that's always a good thing. Word. Well, appreciate y'all brothers. Appreciate this time uh, again uh, on the show, Uncle Johnny and the professor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just like to say to anybody who's watching, hang on there with us. Like sometimes I think uh, some of the subjects uh, we're dealing with, they will get broader. Uh, I think we'll have interviews and some reviews that we'll talk about from time to time. We'll be uh, on different locations. Please share this, uh, like this, uh, push this if you think it's something worthy uh, uh, and uh, could produce fruit. Uh, please do that. Well, in light of what we talked about unto the God who is unlike us, who is our hero, and who uh, does not have to resort to evil to pull off his uh, purposes, but is holy uh, and set apart, um, sinless and righteous, the only right God, majestic and full of power. Uh, we give all glory, honor, and praise today until the next time. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah.